Production. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. This is the Prophet Bahati. This is Wednesday night. There's our Bible study time. This is going to be our first Bible study, and I hope everybody came with your Bibles. I don't know if anybody's on the line or not yet, so if anybody's there, I'm going to open up the floor so everybody can greet each other and say hello to each other. And uh, before we get started, let's just do a you know a quick check-in and see how we're all doing and everything. So at this time, I'm going to open up the floor for anyone that's on the line. Hello, Sister Babers. Hey, awesome, Sister Babers. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, girl. My computer was kind of messing up on me, but I praise the Lord. Glad to hear your voice. And Sister Penny is trying to log in. Are you there, Sister Penny? Well, um, she's trying to, she's, because uh, I just got through talking to a few moments ago. So, uh, but anyway, how, how's everybody doing tonight? Pretty good. All is well. In Jesus' name. I'm kind of tired this night tonight, but hey, I'm looking for some strength tonight to draw. Hey, yeah, y'all have your mm-hmm. pencils and and papers ready, and I got all my books out here, and I got a few little things we're gonna do. But tonight we're gonna be talking about the Bible, and uh, we're gonna be talking about the you know I've been reading some really interesting things. And I want you guys to know, uh, since we're getting started, and I have some good information, some new information that I want to give to you guys. I've met a couple of people today, so we may be growing in numbers a little bit. And so we, we, we're starting to, um, people are starting to hear, I don't know how, but they did. And some, I met a couple of people, as a matter of fact. So um, obviously, you know, things are, are starting to look on an up note for us, a positive note. So let's just keep on praying for each other. But right now, at this time, um, uh, I know you say you're kind of tired of the favor, so but what we're going to do is we definitely, definitely are going to um, going to open up a prayer on tonight because we're just going to be. I'm not going to be doing all the talking tonight, so um, uh, we all going to be uh, participating. You know, I'll be giving you some information, and we'll just be getting some feedback from each other. So at this time, if you don't mind, Sister Babies, would you please open us up in a word of prayer? Yes, all hearts and minds. Father God, we come before you right now, Father, and we just say thank you, O oh God. And, Lord, we just ask that you bless each and every one of us who's here on the line tonight, O oh God. And, Father, I ask that you be in our prayer on tonight, Father God, and our, um, our session on tonight, Father. We're just thanking you, giving you all the honor, praise, and glory, O oh God. And, Lord God, open up our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us tonight, O oh God. And, Lord, let let your word just rest upon on our hearts, O oh God, and not on deaf ears, O oh God, that, Lord God, that we can run with your word, Father God. So just give us the tools that we need tonight, O oh God, that we could uh, be better people, Father God. And, Lord, we thanking you for tonight, Father God, and we thank you for the ones that's on here, Father God, and the ones to come on, O oh God. So, Lord, we give you all the honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God. Amen. I had a very busy day today. I had a fruitful day today. And um, uh, um, I, first of all, I want to just go ahead and open up the line uh, to see if there's anybody else on the line at this time. And so, you know, just go ahead and, and have a, if you want to have a, a couple words, just have a few words uh, at this time. Do we have anybody else on the line? Amen. 
Okay, um, so tonight uh, we're going to start out, I, I think I'm going to be using this quite often, because uh, this, this is really something that's really important, but we're going to, um, I, I, I came across some things during my studies, when doing my ministry schools, and I have so much information, I have so much, and I think it's important that, you know, that we learn some of these things. But right now, uh, we, we can, I want to go to Proverbs 6, 16 and 24, uh, Proverbs 16 and 24, and this is, as a little girl, I used to always read this, and I always loved this, uh, because my mom, my mother was, was this type of person. She's a very sweet and kind and gentle person. So for us, you know, we, we grew up with that. And, and so I found, find that uh, this is something that, that we all use in our daily lives. Okay. What was that scripture again? It's going to be Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and the 24th verse. Proverbs, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that's okay. Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and the 24th verse. Okay. And, uh... So um, basically, this is something that that as as like I said, as a, as a young child, that I was taught this um, at an early age, and I I have like like I said, a lot of different Bibles, and so there there's different translations for the um, for this saying. So I'm just going to read a couple of them to you right now in the New King James Version, of 16 Proverbs Proverbs 16 and 24 says, "Pleasant words are a honeycomb." Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And in the King James Version, it says pretty much the same thing. It says, pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. And I guess you guys are trying to wonder now, why is she coming? Where are we going? Where are we going to go with this? But you'll see in a minute where we're going to end up with this this right here. And so, um, and then there's a, a, some, some other translations, but that's basically the 16 and 24 Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And so, I mean, have you ever been been in a situation uh, where where you was around somebody and the person, the more they talk, the sicker you got? Mm. And so, you know, but and so this is just a reminder of it. You know, we're we're getting, you know, we're starting mm-hmm. out fresh, fresh and new. And and I want us to be mindful. You know, of, of the way we speak to people, how we speak to people, what we're saying, and how people are speaking to us, and how we allow people to speak to us. Because sometimes, you know, we may not be the one that's in the wrong all the time. They, we could be allowing others. See, we go to celebrate recovery. Some of us go to celebrate recovery, and so we know that we are responsible for our actions, but we also are responsible for how we allow other people to treat us. And then, celebrate recovery, we call it codependency. Okay, and so mm-hmm. not even with that, you know, it's just like you know we're allowing people to say and do things to us, and so I want this. I want to kind of start this series off, and I want to start out this way because I want the number one for us to be mindful of of, of what we're saying, how we're saying, and what we're saying, and the effect that words have on you. Not only the effect that it have on you, but what effect e f f e c t what effect do it have on somebody else, and what A-F-F-E-C-T, effect does it have on you? 
What effect does those yeah. words have on you? Do, can words hurt you? Do, do words hurt you? Do words hurt us? And so these are this, so this is so Proverbs sixteen and twenty four uh, says, "Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones." And so I want to open open it up and um, and 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 um, for you that are on the line and think about think about when there was a time when somebody said something to you at the, at that moment and at that time and it was very healing to you. It, it made you feel really good. It made you feel really, you know, like it really just changed your day. It just changed the situation that you was in. It didn't have to be a whole lot. It could have been a word. It could have been, you know, uh, something that was just, just a healing to your soul. Think about that. I mean, take a moment or two and think about, I can think of many, many times when that has happened to me. We always kind of want to, I don't want to focus on the negative. Why We want to focus on good things and positive things. And then this is, like I said, my mother, she was a very she she was a very pleasant person. She was not a woman of many words. She didn't speak speak a lot. When I say my mother, I'm, I'm, I had two mothers, so I, I had my natural mother and my foster mother. So when I say uh, I'll say my mothers because both of them were that way. But my mother was a very very soft spoken woman. She was a woman of few words, but when she spoke, she you know she did not try to hurt or harm anyone with her words. And I and so. That was very impressive to me as a as a young girl. You know, I I really uh, that really impressed me about her. That she was a very people really loved her. Well, of course she had a very beautiful voice and she could sing very well. But even just in her her mannerism and her speech, it was very beautiful and it was very pleasant. Her words were pleasant, and so it was sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And so if we think think about the question that I asked earlier a situation or a time when somebody said something to you when you needed that word at that moment and it was healing healing to you at the time, at that moment. So, um, and then and what we're going to be talking about, because the reason why I'm saying this is there are times when we need uh, forgiveness. We focus a lot on forgiveness, but what about apology? We, we don't focus a lot. So I have, I was going through some things and I was reading some things. And so, um, and, I, and I've been reading about, you know, the Bible, and do you know that in the beginning of time that, that we, that if you were not really a, a well-read person, if you were not wealthy, if you were not born into a wealthy family, do you know that there was a time when we weren't even allowed to even read the Bible, that the Bible was not accessible to us? Were you guys aware of that? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was during the time, during the king times, the Bible was not even accessible to us. The Bible had been burned several times, you know, there. And so the Bible is a very interesting book. It's not just a book. It's a, you know, the scriptures know they're sacred. We know that they're sacred. But, you know, then these are, and I'm talking this way because we're going to, I'm going to be giving you some dates and some times. We're not going to do it tonight because we just, you know, we're just getting into this. But we're going to be studying. I want to really study about the Bible. I want to, we're going to go into, like, why do we, why the Bible, why do we need to read the Bible? Why is it important for us to read the Bible? How to read the Bible? And how do we study the Bible? So these are the things that, you know, as, as time progresses, these are, this is why I want to take you through that process, how to study the Bible. But the first thing, before you read any book, you need to know, that's just like you need to know about the book and what the book really is representative of. And so the Bible, when we say the Bible, the, I say the Holy Bible because it's, it's sacred, it's a whole, the Holy Scriptures is sacred. And so, you know, it has a very interesting, interesting history. And I have a really some really old books here, but I, and we're going to talk about those things. But when I was reading that, and I was thinking, though, you know, we all have we have Bibles that just lay around our house. 
Some of them, they gather dust. We don't even touch them sometimes. We don't even read them at times. And, and how sacred it was back in the days. People were hunger, were killed for the word. They were hung. They were burned simply because they just wanted to read the word. They just wanted to read the Bible. And they were not allowed to read the Bible. But if you were born in a, in a time where you were not wealthy or you didn't have prestige or you were not actually a high priest, then you were not even it was you were not allowed to read the Bible. You didn't know the word, so they had to read the word and give the word to you. Aren't you glad that we don't live in, in those times anymore? Aren't you glad that we can pick up the word and read it for ourselves and ask God, you know, to help us with the, you know with the meaning and the translation of, of His word that that's been so uh, divinely inscribed and so divinely written. Even though they tried to get rid of it, and it was the Bible was burned several times, and even though they tried to get rid of it, to this day we still have it. Isn't that amazing? Just one second. Yeah. That is that's, that's amazing. And so and, and so we know and so the Bible, the Old Testament, uh, was written first, and uh, and it was written in Hebrew. So that's like like a lot of times when you see a, a minister that's preaching, that's why they they'll go to they go to Hebrew language because the Bible was originally written in the Hebrew language. And so they, in order for them to read it, and if you didn't know the language, then you couldn't read the Word of God. Because it was only written in Hebrew initially, it was only written, so that's why it go to Hebrew, and then uh, it was later translated into Greek, and so that's why you know a lot of ministers when they 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 throw out some Greek phrases or some Greek words, and they because the Bible was initially written in Hebrew and, and written in Greek, but you know this, um, and and then it just says that you know, and, and if you want in Second Timothy three and sixteen that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, so in order to to First of all, we have to believe that the Bible is true and that the Bible is real. Is the Bible true and is it real? It's real to me every day of my life. And so we're going to do a little bit of Bible history, but we won't we won't do that tonight. And I, I don't want to be on too long tonight. But um, uh, Proverbs 16 and 24, what does that say, Proverbs 16 and 24? Okay, I have to pull it back up. You asking us or what you? Yeah, I'm asking a question. It was a pleasant word to get right to it. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb sweet to the soul and health to the bone. Right, right, uh huh. Okay, so pleasant words are sweet to the soul and healing to the body. So it just let's just think about in our daily life when we're dealing with somebody mm-hmm. Even on a job, you know, I can remember working on my job, you know, when uh, the crew that we work with, we used to have a really good time with each other, man. We used to kid around and play with each other all the time. We had really good times. But there were times when things would get a little tense because of words that were said or because of something that somebody said, you know, and it just changed the whole atmosphere of, of, of whatever we were doing at that moment. It completely and totally changed that. And I don't know if, the, you know, sometimes it was something that was unintentional. Sometimes it may have been something intentional, but... When you went with pleasant words, and so even in our home, you know, when we're speaking pleasant words, and, and this it's really, really changed the atmosphere in the home. So I want this week, and then at the end of the, at the end of tonight, I have a, um, a sort of like an affirmation or, that I want to give to you, uh, and I think this is this is really it really helped me a lot, uh, and it really has been helping me a lot, and I've been saying this every day. So, but pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the bones. So, do you believe that? 
And it says, sand of pleasantness or honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So do you really believe that? Is, is that really true? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that words have the power to change? To, you know, because here in the Bible it says, it's sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Why do you think he would be saying that? What does it mean when it says it's sweet to the soul and healing to the bones? Well, I'm I'm just thinking, you know, uh, pleasant words always speak, uh, uh, you know, speak with uh, uh, words that is pleasing, words that are, um, you know, pleasant words of life and not death. Words that are healing, you know, you know, always, you know, words that are healing and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that reminds me, because I saw somebody today, I hadn't seen a person in a very, very, very long time, and after the person had been trying to uh, avoid me. So I waited to the right opportunity and the right time, and then when the person saw me, the first thing he said was, well, what, what did you hear? What did you hear? You know, which I hadn't heard anything, and I haven't really heard anything. And so I said, well, even if I did, I wouldn't say anything, but I didn't hear anything. And so that was, and so I, as I'm looking here, and that's like what you call like itchy ears, and we have a lot of people that have itchy ears. So what does it mean? What do you think it means when they say that, that a person have itchy ears? Hmm. Not sure. Itching ears, you know. Um, so people, most people that have itchy ears, they don't want to hear what? They don't want to hear the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that means it's like in the Bible, it, it warns us about that, having itchy ears. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, I could have just went on and said a whole bunch of stuff and just, you know, you scratch that little itch, you know. But it's like, no, I'm not going to do that because it wasn't appropriate, it wasn't the time, and it wasn't, you know, right for me to do that. You know, and so I just, what I did, I just said some, some pleasant things and I went on about my business, you know, kind of left and went on about my business and, and did what I needed to do. But I could have did some, left the person in turmoil. You know, I could have left the person it, 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 with a bad, you know, a bad situation, probably could have ruined their day for the rest of the day if that person was the person that w- would allow somebody to do that to them. And so when I, that's why I'm saying pleasant words. A lot of times when, when you know, things happen, then we just be be cognitive and be careful about what we're saying, how we're saying, and the things that we're saying. So here it says um, that um, if your ears, you can forget the truth. There's times, you know, you'll find plenty of, of first-century uh, first so-called spiritual communications who will simply com- will comfort you with what you want to hear, telling you what you want to hear. That's being itchy ears. Somebody just want to tell you what you want to hear. So, but you know, in the Word of God, we just can't tell you what you want to hear. We have to be wise and prudent and tell you the truth. And so, the truth is always better, even though they say, you know, even though it hurts sometimes. It's just uh, the truth is always better. Mhm. Because if you did not have itchy ears, do your part in sharing the message of, of the good news, communicating the New Testament theme of the resurrection. That's the basis of the Christian message. What is truth? What is truth? And so having itchy ears, let's not have itchy ears. You know, let's not let's not participate in things that we should not be participating in as women and, and as children of God, as men and women of God, and as children of God. And so tonight on tonight, uh, I want to talk about, we, we have a lot of people that talk a lot about forgiveness. Forgiveness is very important, but also we, we need to learn... Um, about apology. Why is apology important? 
important. And when you apologize to someone, you know, sometimes somebody, they apologize to you, but when they apologize to you, they make you feel so bad afterwards. It's like, well, that apology, or what was that? You know, I don't really know what that was because it really, it sounded like it could have been an apology, but it really wasn't an apology. So have you ever been in a situation like that where somebody did something? It didn't have to be nothing really, you know, detrimental, but just something, and then it's, or either they didn't, you, it didn't seem like it was sincere and honest, and somebody, you did something, and you didn't, they didn't apologize. Has that ever happened to you before? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Okay, now. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm listening. Okay, now I have uh, I have here. It's the five. Have you you heard of the five languages of love, right? Have you everybody heard the five languages of love? Yeah. Okay, did you know that there was a five languages of apology as well? Oh wow. Yeah, that's called the five. So we're going to talk about the five. That's why I was saying, that's why I opened with Proverbs 16 and 24, and I want to just kind of melt on into this. And we're going to talk about, okay, forgiveness. But in order for, for us to get, for, for in order to get forgiveness, first and foremost, you have to do what? The first thing you have to do is do what? What did you say, for forgiveness, forgive? Right, okay. In order for somebody, in order to, in order for us to get into a state of forgiveness, what's the first step that we really need to take in order to, for forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Apology. Mm-hmm. Think about mm-hmm. it. First of all, a person that comes to you, they apologize. They say, I, I, "I'm sorry, I did that. Will you forgive me?" Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, what we're going to talk about here. And, uh, but it's the way that you do it. It's how we do things. And so I think, you know, for the church and for us that, you know, that in the body of Christ, we have to, these are things that, that I think will be beneficial for us to learn that will help us along the way and that, you know, as we encounter uh, people that are not, they don't have to necessarily just in, daily encountering of people. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not really hooked on and stuck on religious affiliations and denominations or those type of things because I respect all people. I respect their religion. They have a right to choose whatever they, however they choose to worship God, however they feel that they want to worship God, just like we have the right to choose and worship our God, how we feel that we want to worship our God, although a lot of people are trying to take that away from us, but we still stand firm on that. We have that right, and we stand strong with our beliefs and what we believe. You know, so uh, tonight we're going to talk about, uh, we came with the scripture. What was the scripture that we came from? Uh, Proverbs uh, 4, uh, 16, 24. Proverbs 16 and 24, right. And so, and that's talking about uh words or a honeycomb. So until it's to the bone. Now what we're going to talk about, we have a paper and pencil. I'm going to give you the five. They say, you know, the five languages. It's called the five languages of apology. The five languages of apology. The number one, number one thing, number one language of apology is expressing regret. The first thing that when somebody, that's the same thing as, as asking for forgiveness. You have to re- express regret. So what what is expressing regret? Expressing regret in apology language uh, is that zeroes in on the emotional hurt. That's pretty deep. Mm-hmm. You know that's deep. And so, in order to in order to ex- express apology, you have to express regret. So, in order to express regret, you have to zero. It says to zero in on the emotional hurt. So there, so obviously they have to be some some hurt. Obviously, when words are spoken that are not accurate or good then there is some hurt that's associated with it. So that's emotional pain, emotional hurt. 
and it's an emission of guilt and shame for causing pain to another person. And you know, we talk about and the reason that I'm the reason that this subject is coming up is because we talk about a lot of people talk about what we always hear people talking about church hurt, church hurt, right? Mm-hmm. We hear people talking all the time about why you don't want to go to church. Oh, I'm, I'm, they hurt me at the church. You no, know, something happened or this happened or that happened. I was hurt at that church. I was hurt at this church because I said it many times myself, and I have been hurt. I've had church hurt. So it was not imaginary. It was true, but we still have to go forth and go on. And so this is a, and so this is right here I think is going to be helpful for us. It helped me, you know, during a time when I really needed it. And so this is why uh, I, I, we, we started out this way, uh, the, um, talking about the five languages of apology. And we are going to be talking about also, We I have a book, the, the five languages, I had it somewhere around here, I don't know where it's at, but it's called The Five Languages of Love as well. And that's, that's going to coincide with what we're talking about here as well. We're talking about love, we're talking about apology, and we're talking about forgiveness. Those things are very important when we walk in this walk with Christ because, you know, if you, if you don't have a heart, if you can't have a soft heart, uh, humbleness, uh, to humble yourself, and not you know, and not go and 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 to humiliate yourself and humiliate others. We have to be humble. We have to be sweet. We have to be you know, uh, kind, loving, kind towards people. When people meet us, they see a difference in us, and they see a difference in our life. And so this right here is is a part of it. And so the first one was what was the first language of apology? Uh, expressing regret. Expressing regret. Okay, and re- expressing regret is a poly- in the apology language. It zeroes in on what? Uh, love and apology. I, I didn't write on that. It zeroes in. Okay, it, what it does is the number one thing it says it zeroes in on the emotional hurt. I have some copies of this, you guys, and I, I can get some copies and give it to you later on if you want copies of it. If you're interested, I can always give you copies of it. Anything that we're studying, I, I can always give you copies of it because I think it's good for you to have copies as well. Matter of fact, I'm going to try to start getting some prior to so you can always study prior to the, to the lesson if you want that as well But uh, tonight. Mm-hmm. But I do have copies of this. I think it's good for, a matter of fact, I am going to give everybody a copy of it because I think it's good for us to have this. Mm-hmm. Okay, the second point, the second point, you don't really have to write them down if you don't want to, but I'll probably be coming back and ask you a couple of questions. If you have a memory short, memory span or something, you might want to jot down a couple of couple of these because we have five of them. We're going to try to go through them really quick because I don't want, I want to just, you know, keep our time uh, where it should be an hour and be done with it, 45 minutes to an hour, and that should be enough. Okay, and the second point, under this is still under expressing regret. The second point is, it is an admission of guilt and shame for causing pain to another person. So when we express regret, we're ex- we're expressing and we're admitting that it was could have been shameful. We're admitting that it was that we we are shamed, and that we feel guilty for causing pain to somebody else. Then the third point. On that one is going to be expressing regret, apologies. It is simple. Just simply say, I'm sorry is all they look for. Most of the time when you do something, people, they just simply want to say, I'm sorry. And in the church, we could just simply just say, I'm sorry. You know, that would really stop a lot of hurt from people, and we could retain, probably keep people if we would just, you know, just say, hey, even if we didn't do nothing wrong, they, they maybe we they could have felt that we did something wrong. We could just simply say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then express uh, number four. There is no need for explanation or payback 
provides apology has truly come from the heart. That's true. Okay, so what do you guys think so far? Oh, yeah. Coming good. Okay, now we go on to number two. Accepting responsibility. This is where we we deal with a lot with this, and we celebrate recovery, just accepting responsibility for our actions and the things that we do and admit, what do say, we admit our wrongs. Also, when we admit that, this is this is really important to accept the responsibility of what we've done. So when people are coming in and to, to the house and we're encountering people in our daily lives or in our workforce or, you know, in ministry or whatever it may be in, in our life, you know, not just so much of the church but just in life in general, you know, it's important that we accept responsibility. A lot of people don't want to accept responsibility for the actions and the things that they do. God believe that's where the, the, that's where the problems start creeping in at. That's what probably then when I read these, we have four points as well under accepting responsibility, and then you'll see how it's kind of tying in, and, and you can see how, you know, when, when people, when we don't accept responsibility, that we just let things go, we just don't just want to sweep it up beneath the carpet and uh, pretend like it didn't happen and don't accept the responsibility for it. See, when people come into our, 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 you know, come into our environment, are they around us, are they in the church, and somebody leaves, and, and we don't check on them and those type of things, we're not accepting responsibility uh, that, uh, to find out, you know, it could just be a simple misunderstanding or something, and find out what really happened to these people so that we can draw them back, you know, and show them the love of Christ and what God is really all about and what being, you know, what, what being, you know, a, a servant of Christ is really all about. And I think, you know, so we can you know, start acting upon it, and just being, when they see that we act responsible, then they'll feel more comfortable, and then they'll want to come and they want to be a part of whatever it is that we're doing. So, do anybody have any questions? You have any remarks or anything that you want to say at this point? No. Okay. So, number two, accepting response. It's very difficult for some people to admit that they are wrong. And number two, and I, I, you know, that, you know, especially with, you know, when I'm dealing with a lot of groups, I find that, that that's really true. You know, the first thing is, you know, coming, that's that's called, we call it denial. Some groups, they call it denial. But it's just it's difficult. It's just difficult for some people to admit that you're wrong, you know. Number two, it makes them doubt their self-worth that no one likes to be portrayed as a failure. That is very true. Number three, we are going to make poor decisions that hurt others, and we are going to have to admit that we are wrong. And we have to accept, number four, we have to accept responsibility for our own failures. You know, in this life, we get you know, and if you don't never fail, how you know you can ever be successful? So there are going to come times in our lives when, we, when there's things that I fail many times at many things, you know, but I just keep on doing what I need to do and try to just keep on pick myself up and keep on going and then accept do something wrong, accept the responsibility for it, and just, you know, and just go on, move on. It's easy just to move on. Number three, number three is really important, and this one I find is that, uh, you know, even even in the United States, you know, uh, with what happened to us as, as African Americans, the things that happened to us when we were brought up, our forefathers, it didn't happen to us, but it happened to our forefathers, but we still are suffering the consequences you know, of what happened to us. And a lot of people, they say, well, you know, we're talking about slavery and those type of things. Well, they say, well, we didn't enslave you, but no, you didn't enslave us, but you are getting unjust, it's called unjust enrichment when you benefit off of the good of something, of, off of someone else's 
uh, deeds and what they have done, we have not really been had the opportunity to benefit from the deeds of what happened to us, and we have not had a proper, proper apology because we can't just always look at the uh, Europeans or the British, you know, because actually they really didn't start slavery. The, the, the Spaniards actually started slavery, but they started in a different kind of way. But when they brought us over here into America, then it was with Americans, they just put a whole different spin on slavery. I don't feel that any of the colonies that started the slavery uh, participated, that there was has ever really been an apology to us as African Americans, you know, and so I guess you're wondering why she talked about that, but it's important because it affects us and affects us as people, who we are, how we think, and the way we live, and, and, and you know, uh, the things that we do and the reason that we do the things that we do. It really it has an effect on what we do in our lives, A-F-F-E-C-T. It has an effect on what we do in our lives. And so that's making restitutions. There has never been restitutions made to us as a people. So the first thing it says, a person who speaks this love language feels the same way towards apologies. They believe that in order to be sincere, the person who is apologizing to justify their actions. The person who's been hurt simply wants to hear that their mate still loves them. That's when we remember I was talking about love language. That's what it, it is. So just for me, in America, you know, like I say, even though uh, uh, our, our forefathers went through what they went through, to hear somebody just actually get and I'm sure it has been, but, you know, uh, just to put forth effort just to say, hey, they're sorry for the things that really happened to them, and try to make the change, try to make something different. We have a new presidency that's coming in, and we have to really pay close attention to these people that are getting in office and the things that they're doing. Is it beneficial for us? What are we, you know, what are we as a people, what are we supposed to be getting from what they're, us putting them in office because they are supposed to be accountable to us. And so the second point is for a person whose primary apology language is making restitution, no matter how often you say I'm sorry or I was wrong, then your mate will never feel fine the apology sincere. So that means if the person, if you're not sincere about it, why say it? What's the point? Then it says, and this is what I was just talking about, you must make strong efforts for making amends. A genuine apology will be accompanied by the assurance that you will love uh, uh, like the other person and have a desire to right the wrong things committed. That's just like with Jesus Christ. You know, even to this day, the uh, Orthodox Jewish people, they still don't accept him as Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Messiah. So there is never, they have never really uh, made a strong effort to make amends. But what happened with Jesus Christ, you know, uh, it was, you know, the way he was treated, the way they treated him, and the way they crucified him, and the way they killed him, there was never an apology made for what happened to him. And I wonder, you know, will that ever happen? And, it, it, you know, will it ever happen in history? Will it ever be, a, I mean, for someone, just someone, you kill someone for their beliefs. They killed him because of what his what his belief was, but not so much it was what his belief was. It was because of the spirit that was within him. You have the evil spirit and the good spirit, but that spirit that was within them. But they never to this, and I mean their their religion is still they still hold to the old tradition. They never ever you know made apology or make amends for what happened to Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine being on that day when that when that was happening, being in the crowd and seeing that happen to him? Your Lord, someone that you have faith in, someone you believe in, for them to, to, to beat him with, they beat him, for them to hang him on a cross. Can you imagine 
I mean, not even thinking about his mother, his mother Mary. He had his siblings that were there. You know, for someone to do your, your family member that way. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the pain and the hurt? That's Remember we, the first one we said, expressing regret is apology language for zeroing in on the emotional hurt. Can you imagine the emotional hurt that Mary felt seeing her son before Christ had resurrected from the dead? Can you imagine the pain that she felt? No one never came back. They never came and apologized to her for killing her child. They never apologized to her for that. Can you imagine that? Somebody doing something like that to one of your family members, you know, his his brothers. Somebody, that's my brother that they killed. They killed my brother. And they never came to this day. They never apologized. The emotional hurt that was caused upon the family because of what Jesus was doing. He wasn't, I mean, what did he do that was so wrong? He didn't have anything to apologize for. But on the cross, what did he do? He asked for forgiveness for them. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because he knew that they didn't know what they were doing. And so a lot of times, you know, uh, we do things or people do things, and they really don't understand what they're doing or why they're doing the things that they're doing. So that's why we have to have a spiritual discernment, the spiritual, you know, uh, um, spiritual discernment to discern, you know, right from wrong. What's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. We don't take wrong and make it right and then take right and try to make it wrong. A lot of things are happening in America today that's wrong and we want to make it, we want to close our eyes and act like it's not existing, but it doesn't exist. So that's what I'm just saying. It's just like a, um, they did not, they never had a desire to right the wrong that was, that, that was committed. They never had a desire for that. And then number four is to genuinely repent. Well, for some individuals, repentance is a convincing factor in an apology. First of all, if it's not coming from the heart, it's not genuine. You shouldn't even do it, to be honest about it. Because when you admit that you're wrong, it creates vulnerability. A lot of us, we don't want to be vulnerable. That's just like with the with the with the uh, with the Jewish community. If they admit that they were wrong, that means that they would be vulnerable. That meant that they that's a lot of wrong that you have to try to correct, but they don't have to correct that because they have to, all they have to realize is that on the cross, Jesus Christ had already forgiven them, say they were already forgiven. Even before he rose from the dead, they were already forgiven. So anything that we do, we're already forgiven for it anyway, but we still have to be in a practice and in a habit of of of, of, of Feeling vulnerability. There's nothing wrong with being vulnerable. Mm. A lot of people, they don't like to be vulnerable, but there's nothing wrong with the vulnerability. Because when we're vulnerable, do you know what it, what it allows? When a person, when you are vulnerable to someone, what do you think that that does to you? As a, What position did that put you in? And what position do you think it put the other person in? Mm-hmm. Guys, come on and talk with me now. Would we come on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about it. Mm-hmm. It 
uh, it really gives, it opens their heart. It gives you a glimpse of what their heart is really all about. It opens. It opens. It, it, it lets another person know what you what they let you know what they what their heart is really at. And what if it's genuine? I'm talking about genuine repentance. If they're genuine, then it lets you know. You say, hey, you know what? You know, maybe just like we know when when Jesus Christ, they when he said on the cross, Father, forgive them. That was a genuine, genuine. They knew where his heart was at. So so much convicting to the soldier. Had to fall down on his knees, and what did the soldier say at the cross? What did the soldier say at the cross of Jesus Christ? Come on, Bible scholars. What did the soldier say at the cross of Jesus Christ? And surely, surely, this must be the Son of God. But at that time, you know, you had all the earthquakes and all the other stuff that happened, but he realized. That, so he was genuinely, and, and when he fell on his knees, that was a sign of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. See, and the sign, it says, a glimpse of true self-assurance, self is assured that the apology was sincere. And then one, is, one important aspect of genuine repentance is verbalizing your desire to change. So in order to 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 uh, to uh, 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 have an apology, does it have to be? Can you do it other than just verbalizing? Just verbalizing it. You think you can? Is there another way that you could apologize to someone? Do we have how many people we got on the line tonight? Does it sound like we got very many people? Okay. And number two is it is also important to make a um, a dedicated plan for change. Often apologies and often repentance fail because the person never set up steps for action to help ensure success. A person must first set goals for their change. It's important to remember that change is hard. I know um, for me, change is hard. Uh, I don't like, you know, things. Uh, I, I like spontaneity uh, sometimes, but basically I like things. I like assurance of things around me. And, I, you know, when things start changing, sometimes, you know, it, I have to, you know, shake myself and examine myself to, to adjust to the change. But just just basically, I don't really like change like that. But I know that it's necessary. So, what do you guys think about? What do you how do you feel about that? It's important to remember that change is hard. Change is hard. Yeah. Okay, and then the last one is number five. This is the one that Jesus Christ was so. So, 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 wow, when I just, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. When I think about Jesus and, you know, what he, what he did on that cross, I just can't imagine the shape that his body was in. I mean, just like today, I've been having a toothache all day long. You know, my jaw's been hurting. All I have this nerve going from my ear all the way down my jawline, all the way to, like, the middle of my chin. It's been bothering me all day. Even when I open my mouth, air hit it. 
just sharp pain, so it's been hurting all day. But it's nothing, nothing, nothing compared to what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ suffered on that cross. Nothing. It was unrecognizable. And for, he, he had did nothing wrong. But he had to he reach down in his heart. He asked God, he said, he said, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He, he had to ask for forgiveness for this dying world that we live in. Even though we were nowhere in sight, it was way over 2,000 years ago. We weren't born. A lot of our fourth generation and fifth generation of relatives were not even born. I mean, we stop and think about this thing. Really think about it, you know. What Jesus Christ did for us on that cross when he asked for forgiveness. But they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Because they really didn't truly know what they were doing. They didn't really know that they were hanging and killing the Savior of the world. They didn't know that they were killing the Son of God. They really didn't know what they were doing. They really didn't. You know, and so on the fifth one it says request forgiveness. In some relationships a person wants to hear the other ask for forgiveness. That's the first point. We got five points in number five. The second one is they want assurance that the other person recognizes a need for forgiveness. See, Jesus Christ, he recognized that even though the people that was crucifying him, they didn't realize or recognize that they needed forgiveness because they thought because they were working, dealing with the law, they thought that they were right in what they were doing. They were basically had to carry out orders. That was their job. They had to do that. But Christ knew that that was their job. And so basically, even though he was asking for forgiveness, he basically was asking for forgiveness for the ones that was responsible for his death. Because they really didn't even, Pilate's wife tried to warn him. She tried to warn him, but he wouldn't listen to her because Pilate had a position that he, he was, his position meant more to him than his heart. Because his heart was convicted, but he didn't follow his heart. He didn't follow his heart. Even his wife came to him and told him and tried to tell him that, you know, Christ was innocent. But he didn't want to listen to that. And so Christ knew. He recognized the need for forgiveness for them. And so when on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And when he did that, this is a beautiful thing I really love about it because it says requesting forgiveness assures the other that you want to see the relationship fully restored. Christ wants to see us fully restored from the simple nature, from the simple world that we were in. He wants to make sure that we will have a right to the tree of life, that we will have a right to eternity. Mm. He wants to make sure of that. So the only way that we could be fully restored was by him dying on the cross for us. So he had he that 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 really that sealed the deal for us. That sealed the deal for us. But he made sure that we were he made sure that we were fully restored because if we hadn't have been fully restored, we wouldn't be here today. None of us would be here today because God had really got tired of the world. He said he 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 got to the point where he felt that he said, you know what, they're like a stench in my nostril. You know that's pretty bad. 
That's pretty bad for God to feel that they're on the way about the creation that he made. But man did it to themselves. Mankind did it to themselves. And I believe that we're kind of heading in that same direction again in these days and times and the things that are going on. And so we don't want to be in that number, uh, that one that that that, be, that has that, that, that stench in Christ's nostrils or in God, not God, Christ, but in God's nostrils or so. It says that with you know, Christ, he fully restored us. It also proves to the other person that you are sincerely sorry for what you've done. He, Christ didn't have no reason to be sorry for nothing because he hadn't did nothing wrong. So requesting forgiveness, it's not easy. It often leaves one vulnerable to the fear of rejection. And that's really true. I I don't like to be rejected, and I have, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone, I don't know of anybody that likes to be rejected. It doesn't feel good. No. So, so far, we've been talking about the five languages of apology. We came, our text was Proverbs 16 and 24, talking about pleasant words of honeycomb. Don't you know that if Jesus hadn't had no pleasant words on that cross, he could have really, you know, uh, now think about what, there was two men that was on the cross hanging with him. One was asking, he said, Father, remember me now. Uh in thy in, in paradise, Christ said to him, "What did Christ say to that man?" Well, he said, "Father, remember me in paradise." What did Christ say to him? Um, they hanging now. They hanging on the cross. What did Christ say to him? Mm-hmm. He'll remember him in paradise. Yeah, he said, "This day you shall." Remember. But the other one, what was the other one? Now he was talking kind of foolish. I think he was. You know, you had to be in a position that he was in. That was kind of foolish for him. What was he saying? He said, if you be the son of God, if mm-hmm. you be the son of God, get us down, you know, get us down from here. That was foolish on his behalf. That was very unwise. And so the other man had to speak up and tell him, say, you know what? We deserve to be here. This man, he don't deserve to be here because he ain't did nothing wrong. He does not deserve to be here. And so... Uh, you know, that, that, that's talking about words, the words that we use. Those are, those are not pleasant words. Somebody's sitting there, they're, they're, they're in the last, you know, they're in the, the uh, uh, last hour of their death, and you're sitting there talking about challenge. He Basically, he was challenging Christ. He didn't believe that Christ was who he said that he was. He said, because if you be the son of God, then get us down. But God didn't even respond to him. But a lot of times, you know, things happen. Sometimes it's better to walk away from some things and don't even respond to it. And then it says, uh, number four, I'm requesting forgiveness. Number four is, along with the fear of rejection, is the fear of failing. Many people have a hard time seeking forgiveness because it means admitting that you have failed. That's true. But ultimately, and this is the last one, ultimately it's important to remember that there's a difference and asking for forgiveness and demanding forgiveness. Mm. You can't demand nobody to give you forgiveness. Come on, you know how are you going to demand somebody to, to give to give forgiveness to you if they, you know, I, I well to be honest with you, I, I know some people that have done that. They do it. They they demand that you give them, you know, a uh, demand. For, now you can't demand that. I mean, either person is going to do it or they're not going to do it. It's in their heart. It's not in their heart, but. You're setting yourself up for failure. Now, that's, that's a formula for failure there when you're demanding somebody because when you demand anybody to do anything, it really, 
I've never really known it to be very successful, maybe in a court of law, you know, when you write a, a, a demand for something, and sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. But basically in, in normal life, in real life, you're not going to get anything by demanding it. So that's why in Proverbs it says 16 and 24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That's what pleasant words will do for you. Pleasant words can really change your day. It can make you feel, like they say, oh, so good. And in and, and, and due, due season, a, a, a pleasant word in a time, you know, of a, a, a sorrow can do, can do uh, wonders for a person. Just think about, you know what, I, my mind shouldn't even went down this road, but I'm, since I'm on the road, I might as well stay on it until I can get off and get, do a U-turn. Uh, but I, I'm on it now, so I might as well speed on up and get with the tra- traffic. But uh, I was thinking about, um, you know, when you first get in, some of us probably can't remember this. But I think some of us probably can. Remember when you first, first time um, you met somebody and, and you and that you kind of liked that person, you fell in love with them? How they used to talk to you? The little sweet nothings that we call them like what, what sweet nothings that they used to say to you. Can you remember that? <laughs> you <don't> remember? <laughs> <laughs> I can remember it, but <laughs> Ooh. It, that was that was really something. It's, but if they were using words that you that was not you know appeasing or pleasing to you, you probably wouldn't have never had nothing to do with them. You definitely wouldn't have been in a relationship with them. And so words, you know, really, really, really important. It's really important. And I, I you know, I, I really truly can remember times of meeting people, certain people that's just like people were saying some words today. They sounded really good, sounded very pleasurable, but I know that they probably, uh, they were just pleasant words and that, and I just took it as that just pleasant words. So on tonight, you know, I thank you guys for, for listening in. And so right now I want to open up the floor. I've given you a lot of information in a short period of time, and I don't know if you took some notes or not. And I, and, then, and then we talked about the five languages of apology. One is expressing regret. Two is accepting responsibility. Three is making restitutions. Four is genuine repent. And five is requesting forgiveness. And we also, you know, uh, did it in a, in a natural as well as a spiritual context of what why it's important for apology. You know, just like with Jesus Christ when he asked God to forgive them on the cross. A lot of times, and just, you know, and like um, with parents and children and siblings and, you know, on the job and, and things that happen, you know, a lot of things happen to us all in our lifetime from the moment that we're born until the day that we die. There's going to always be something happening in our lives where somebody's going to, you know, because this this world as we know it is it's not perfect. It's not perfect. And there's going to always be some things happening, but I think if we can be mindful and have the spirit of Christ, be more like, we, we say, I want to be like Christ, be more Christ-like, you know, and uh, and then think about these things and we study upon them and meditate upon them. So at this time, you know, uh, we've talked about the five languages of apology, and uh, I'm going to open the floor. I don't know if you guys are taking notes or not. If anybody have anything that they, any words that they like to express or, or they like to say something. Yeah. Okay. Um, so 
five languages of apology. Okay, we, we I think we did a pretty good job on that. And if anybody wants a copy of what I just read, you know, you're more than welcome. I'll get you a copy of it and just give it to you. I think it's, you know, start giving you some, and just kind of look over it later on and, and uh, you know, see how we can apply that. Later. Uh, just know when we're dealing, know that we're, when we're dealing with people, those that are coming in, you know, some people are coming in and, and they're they coming in with all kinds of, you know, uh, attitudes and all kinds of things that's going on with them in their lives and situations that's happening in their lives and just a kind word, you know, just a kind word uh, to them can really make their day. Because you never know what a person, you know, when you encounter somebody, you don't never know what happened to them that day. You don't know what they had to encounter on that day or, or what situation happened to them. Or they could be like a ticking time bomb. But just the, the fact that we just said something sweet to them or I had a smile, just a smile, you know, a nice word, a kind word to them, you know, and, and, and you know, you know, just if it's nothing but a smile and God bless you. That's a pleasant word. I mean, you can't get much more pleasant than that with God bless you because we all need God's blessings every day. We need his blessings every day. And so um, at this time, uh, we, anybody else have anything that they want to say? If you don't have anything to say, this is something that uh, you, I don't know. You might want to write this down. I, I wrote this years ago, oh, about five or six years ago when I was uh, uh, dealing with my um uh, Protein essence and essence C blood disorder when I was having heart attacks and uh, um, pulmonary embolisms. I was in a hospital room one day and I um, I just I was thinking and I was praying and I just and I just started talking to my immune system and this is something that I wrote down. Uh, it might sound funny to you or whatever, but I wrote it down and and I think I don't know if it, it just words, but they, these were words that I wrote and this is what I said. And then I said a detox. Uh, to your immune system, and I had wrote it just on a piece of scratch paper here, and I said, this is the first thing I said to, to me. I said this to my immune system. I said, I appreciate how hard you're working for me. I really do love you. I better understand you and how you work. Thank you for being there for me. I will take better care of you. I will feed you, you better. I will love uh, you better. I will live a better lifestyle. I'll work out more. I'll give you more help. And those, these are my uh, positive thoughts for today. Think positive thoughts just for today. And that's what I wrote. Mm. Mm. So, uh, I mean, this is something that, you know, I think it's important for us to talk to ourselves, you know, uh, talk good to ourselves and have important words. And so think of something that you could, uh, something that, that um, next week when we come back, for you that want to come back and, and tune in, uh, think about, think of something uh, and, and write a sentence, just a sentence, uh, two or three lines, or something uh, that you would say to yourself. If, if you would think of yourself, something that you would look in the mirror and say this to yourself every day that, that you feel that would help you for that day, something that you would say to somebody else that may help them through the day. And then when we come back next week, we'll let's share. What do you guys think about that? Oh, okay. Well, mine's I wrote you no know, daily that, but I'm going to write something different. But I wrote, I was like I said, I was in a hospital room when I wrote. I remember, I remember when I wrote this. To be honest with you, I remember writing this, 
And, uh, and I just like I was just so appreciative and so happy to be alive, you know. And I'm thinking, you know what, to my to my immune system because I was having problems that with, with my immune system. And I said, well, you know, so I wrote this, and so this is something that I wrote. But I'll do the same. I'll write something next week, and uh, something that that you could say to yourself every day when you get up in the mirror. And we'll come back next week. Practice it when you get up in the morning. Look in the mirror and say it to yourself three times. Say this. Say it to yourself, write it and say it to yourself three times, and then say something that you would say to somebody else that day for the, that week, just a phrase, a phrase that you would say to them, you know, uh, if it's just God bless you or whatever, because I always say God bless you, but I have to come up with something different. I'll add it with that, and then next week when we come, we'll share, we'll share it and see what effect did it have on us in the morning every day when we get up, just to say this to yourself every morning. And we'll discuss it next week when we come back. Mm-hmm. So on tonight as a recap, Sister Babers, did you write it down? I wrote some of it down no notes. Okay, and so we had the five language of apologies. Uh can you give me like one or two what was one of the one of the five language of apologies? Um Accept your own and responsibility. What what was that under? Yeah, you got it right. Accepting responsibility. That was mm-hmm. admitting that you're wrong. That was under accepting responsibility. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Is anybody else on the line? All I hear is just Sister Baber. So just me and you. Oh, I think so. Then. I guess so. Just me and you. All right. Well. Sure has been really nice. I enjoyed this little presentation uh, tonight at our Bible study. I you know, try to give us a little bit of natural as well as spiritual food to eat on tonight. I hope that I gave you some spiritual food to think about and uh, some natural food as well. And um, next week we're going to be talking a little bit more because I've been reading about this. This is the Bible and, you know, how how important it is for us to study the Bible and to read the Bible and how important the Bible really is and how, you know, you should think that during our, if we were born during our time of, in the condition that we're in right now, we wouldn't have had a Bible. We wouldn't have even been able to read the Bible. We wouldn't, the only thing we would have knew about the Bible is what the priest told us. We wouldn't have the word for ourselves to read the word for ourselves. So since we had a word for ourselves to read the word for ourselves, I say um, let's read the word and let's get a better understanding of God's word on tonight. So... Um, do you have anything else to add to that, Sister Babers? No. I don't have anything at this time. Okay, well, if not, then we're going to go ahead and close out. And uh, I have a prayer here that I would like to... Uh, closing prayer on tonight. And uh, I just say, you know, thank you every thank you for tuning in. For you that are on the line. Um, come back and visit with us again. And uh, as we get ready to close, this is this prayer is called the will of God and his vision that you know God's will will be done in our lives. That he will give us a vision to follow 
and we'll have, be able to, so we all have a vision that he has given us, and we help each other, you know, fulfill the vision that God has given us. And then the prayer, you know, our heart, hearts and minds are clear at this time. Would you say, Father, I ask you fill your servant with a clear knowledge of your will by giving them every kind of spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they may live worthy of the Lord, aiming to please you in every way as they produce every kind of good work and grow by knowing you better. Father, I pray that you would count, count us worthy of the calling and that we will fulfill every good pleasure of your goodness and the work of faith with power in order that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in us and that in him, Jesus Christ, according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that we will intimately come to know and recognize and listen to and heed the voice of God, the God, good shepherd. For your call, for you call us by name and you led us. You're leading us, Father. And I pray that you that we will follow you because you know that we know your voice. And that you will mm-hmm. never on any account follow a stranger, Father. We know your voice and that we are not supposed to follow a stranger, Father God, because mm-hmm. we do not know the voice of a stranger or recognize their call. Hallelujah. And, God, we just thank you on tonight for your love, mercy, and for your kindness. We ask that you continue to watch over us and until we meet again. May the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide in each and every one of us. Until we meet again next week, have a blessed evening. I love you guys, and good night. Good night. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>